Thank you, God. It's good to be together, isn't it? Good to be in His house together. We just thank the Lord for His Word, and we thank you, Lord, for the ability to gather in freedom still. We are still free together. We're just so thankful, God. That should never be taken lightly. Every week, it's not me filling time when I thank the Lord. I truly mean it. I'm thankful for what we have and thankful for the freedom that we have and to be able to do that together. Even this very day, not everyone in the world can do that. This world still, not, this is not history. This is present tense that many must seek him and serve him in private. And we just thank you, Lord, that we get to do that here. Let us not take it for granted. And Lord, let us savor this that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what are you saying right now? Lord, in fact, what are you saying for this hour? And I felt like the Lord said, hold on. Everybody say, hold on. Uh, I just saw a picture. When things get rougher, I heard, and sometimes the Lord will speak to me. I know it's the Lord because I hear words in my head that I don't speak. I don't use the word fret. Anybody use the word fret? We all know what it means, but it's not a common word, right? And I heard fret. Don't fret. So I said, okay, Lord. And this is what he said. He said, when things get rougher... Don't fret. Hold on. It's very simple to hear, isn't it? Hard to do. Everybody say simple to hear, hard to do, right? Uh, the Lord just showed me that if you're in a storm, grab something stable nearby and hold on. The foolish thing to do during a storm is to have a loose hold. We could think the Lord's got us. You know, I don't need to or I haven't needed to before. Or, you know, my stability, my, where I've been standing, it's been good so far. Um, but this is what I really get from the Lord, that it's just a little while, as we said, Jeannie said on Tuesday, too, with humor, right? Because when we hear that in the Bible, it's so funny to see that. It's just a little while. Uh, I hear from the Spirit of the Lord just a little longer. This is what I hear from His Spirit, just a little longer. But don't be foolish, so even though it's just a little longer, don't be foolish. During the storm, we have to hold on to get through it. I hear from the Spirit of the Lord, the safe harbor is awaiting us. I know that. But we must go through the time to get there. And then I felt like the Lord reminded me, and then I brought it into my prayer this morning, that America and all its hope was waiting for the first explorers. Everything that we have was here waiting for them. They couldn't understand it, couldn't fully get it. They, all they knew is I need freedom and I'm willing to go through the cost to get there. They had no concept of the cost yet either. They did not know what it was really going to cost them, but they knew inside them that there's freedom ahead. So they don't know the cost and they don't know the fullness of what they were going to do here for us. I mean, look at what they did. We are in dark times, that's for sure, and I'm going to talk about that today. But we also must savor how much God has blessed us and is still blessing us. It could be way worse. It still could be way, way worse. Just for the heck of it, I poked my head around again at the, used, the, the car market. 
and I'm not, I'm done. I just wanted to see. I have a five-year-old car now. Maybe now's the moment. Trade it in. Well, it's still got great mileage and great value and get another one and do it again. And I poked my head around and I said, oh my gosh, $80,000, right, Jim? He saw the commercials for the Wagoneers. $80,000 for a pickup truck with cloth seats. And the thing is, the thing is, they're like, well, we can't even hold them. It's like they cost this much money. And so Rick and I keep talking. And he's like, Who are, who's buying these? People are buying it up, and yet it's costing them more, and there's no money. So I don't know what's going on. But the point is that if they're able to do it, you know, the real dark time is that there's no gas, there's no car, you know, you're not going anywhere, okay? So, yes, we're in dark times, but we also have a lot of hope still. This might not be as good as it was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, but we are not at the lowest point that we could be. So I'm just thankful for his grace and mercy. I'm not saying that we're not going to go deeper, but the point is that if he sustained us this long, and this will be a theme of today's sermon, if he's taken us and sustained us this long, why would he abandon us now? Amen? He's going to carry us through, and what I saw is that they had no concept of really what they were doing, but they knew in their hearts that there was freedom ahead of them, and so they set sail on this three-month journey to a foreign land for us to be sitting here today. So with that, I want to open with you. I'm going to actually be reading from Philippians today. The Lord, I just kept being led there to a few scriptures, um, but I want to read this from Hebrews to spark it off. It talks in Hebrews about this great crowd of witnesses and telling us uh, in Hebrews 12:1 to run with endurance. Everybody say run with endurance, the race that God has set before us, right? And we do this, it says, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's verse 2. Keep our eyes on him. That's key. See, it could be we could be flipping and we could be like, well, Jesus has got us. And yeah, I think there's a race. I'm not sure about the race, right? There's a race, right? But we are, we're not flipping Christians, right? And, I'm, and I'm, I know I preached this sometime within the last six months that we're not flippant. There's the difference between being relaxed in his presence, in rest, and flippant. Everybody know the difference. Everybody can feel the difference, right? When I know that I'm being lethargic and lazy about seeking him and praying, and other times it could look the same on the outside, but I'm actually entered into a place of rest. So we're not flippant, but we must rest. And so it says we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus because there is a race, He's at the finish line waiting for us. And it says that he endured the cross for us. And so it says in verse 3 that think about him and think about what he endured. And if you do that, you won't become weary and give up. So when we want to become weary, when we want to give up, it, the word tells us proactively you're on a race just as he was. It may not seem, you think, well, why did Jesus need to run a race? He's the son of God. And yet Jesus, it's very clear, ran his own race, didn't he? Right? Everybody's aware of that. And the Bible says that you are on a race. You're similar to what he's doing. You have your own story, but it's the same goal, which is to please the Father 
And we do that not in our own strength, by the Holy Spirit doing an internal work on us. Even Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit. And we leave behind seed of his word, just as Jesus did. And it tells us that when we're on that journey and we get weary to look at him and say, he did it, I can do it, not in my own strength again, but he did it. He's going to help me to do it because my eyes are on him. And then it says this, verse 12. It says, so, everybody say so. You know what so means, right? That's a conjunction. We're going to join together some thoughts here. All right, there's a whole bunch in there you can read on your own time. Hebrews up to verse 12 talks about uh, going through the discipline, the suffering. We all go through those things. I don't want to major on that today. Um, but it says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. So there's a time in the race where we become what? Weary and weak, right? That's what the Bible's telling us. At some points during the race, you will become weak, and you will become weary. And the Word already tells us what to do. Look to Christ. Look at his, the cost he paid, and look at how he endured, and look at what it brought, and it'll give us encouragement to know that he did it, and he's going to do it in us. And so it says, verse 13, Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. So the Lord today is saying this. You may uh, look at this hour and think, man, what is going on? What's happening? Where is it going to go? I thought it was going to get better. It's getting worse in some ways. Lord, what do we do? And the Lord just says, hold on. I've got you. You need to think about being in the ark. Imagine what it felt like inside the ark. Now, just because they were in the ark, don't you think it was an, an amazing ride? What about when all the geysers were releasing from the earth? Because that's what happened. That's what all those are. Those are still remnants of the original release. You know that, right? Because the Bible says that the fountains of the deep were released and the firmament above was released. So there was rain coming down, and there was stuff breaking up. I mean, we can go in the Catskills, not too far away. They call it the Ice Age. That's fine. I don't know if it froze or not. You know, that's not for me. I wasn't there, and neither were they. So maybe it froze. But the point is that you can go up in the Catskills. You can go up about 2,000 feet up, and you can see little pebbles mixed together with mud, and it creates this amazing rock. It's literally just rock made out of pebbles. How do you think that got there like that, right? Something broke apart. There's water gushing everywhere. You know, they say that the dinosaurs are all piled together because there was some sort of cataclysmic event. But, of course, they cannot acknowledge the flood, right? So, you know, they say that... Uh, um, diatomaceous earth, you know, it forms at like, you know, whatever it is, half an inch on the bottom of the ocean floor, you know, over a thousand years, million years, I don't know, whatever they say, all their other junk. But then they find dinosaurs piled together with like hundreds of feet deep in it. And the point is that something happened suddenly and quickly. And meanwhile, now you're trusting God and all of a sudden, your world is rocked and is shaken. But God told you beforehand it would happen, and God made preparations for you beforehand. So now you're inside, 
but it does not change what was going on around you. Something wild, something crazy was going on around you, but you were inside the ark and the Lord protected you. That's the word that I get from the Lord, that no matter what happens, it does not mean that it will always be easy just because we are walking with him. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to say this now because I hear it from the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit, but we assume that being led by the Spirit is a yellow brick road to paradise. Come on, we all do. We say, Lord, I thought you were leading me, and we just looked last week in Psalm 23. He leads me beside cool streams. He leads me to green pastures, and even when I walk through the valley of Shed. Wait a second. I thought you said you were leading me. He didn't stop leading me. It means sometimes, right? We looked at this last week. He's leading me to good things, and he leads me through the dark times till we get to the next good time. And we can all testify that the Lord has done that in our lives. All of a sudden, though, the next dark time comes, and you're like, man, the Lord's abandoned me. He's failed me. Where is he? And then we start searching, maybe I need to do this, maybe I need to do that. You know, we try to, like, fix everything because I must be out of whack with the Lord. And that can certainly be the case. I encourage each of you to seek the Lord, to repent, get before him every time, just in case, because you might be in that place. But we must not assume that every single time you're in a dark place that you did it, or that it sums out how your fault, or you missed your tithe payment. Because that was a teaching. Mr. Tithe payment, that's it. You know, you don't have any money because you didn't tithe. I've tithed faithfully and also had not money at times. I've been there. I've been on both sides of that. The point is that sometimes we go through dark times. It's not the Lord abandoning us. In those times, what we need to do is cleave to his faithfulness in the, uh, that we gained in the good time. I want to say that again. In the dark time, we need to cleave to the faithfulness that we gained. We learned it from him in the good time. And I believe, as I looked at last week, I know we don't like to talk like this, but I believe he also, not only does he allow it, but on purpose, so that we learn to have a deeper trust with him, a greater, much deeper relationship. Because it's easy for your child to say, Mommy, Daddy, I love you, when you give them ice cream, right, and when you take them to the park, but as soon as you say it's bedtime and eat your vegetables, I, then the tantrum, com tantrum comes out, right, now all of a sudden, I hate you, you're the worst grandparent ever, right, Todd? <laughs> Taylor does that sometimes, it's really funny. He's the best grandpa ever to her. But when he does something or says something she doesn't like, you're the worst. And we can do that with the Lord unintentionally. We can, we, so he allows it so that we hold on to the faithfulness of God, and we don't, I'm going to get into this a little bit today, and we don't hold on to our perception of a supposed real reality when this is not real reality. I've talked about this before, but do you know that you, the Bible says that he made you, he formed you in your mother's womb. Who, can, who knows the scriptures? Were you you yet? In your mother's womb, or were you something else? It doesn't look like you. I know we're arguing about this with the whole abortion argument right now about when you are you. And they're arguing that you're not even you till two years of age now, right? I think it's Virginia. 
right? Isn't it Virginia that's set up to two years of age? That's a law that's actually going before uh, their uh, lawmakers, two years of age. I mean, that's like we're talking, if that happens now, we're in Jesus' time. You know, that's what happened. Remember, Jesus, they killed up to two years of age, and Egypt. I mean, you start seeing laws like that, you have to say, man, we are really in the times of the Bible, like we, told, we were told would come again. But anyway, I don't want to get into that. The point is that when were you you? When are you you? The point is that just because you weren't in your body, just because you didn't have understanding yet, I mean, were you you at 18, or are you you at 40, because that's when you really know it all? Are you you at 70 now, because now you've lived it, you've done it, right now you're you? Like, when are you you? Just because we're growing and progressing and learning, you were you at conception. You were you in the Lord's heart before you were made, technically, which means that your reality is not real, that's the real you. I know this is, it sounds like wacky to the world, but isn't that the truth? By the word of God, isn't that the truth? Do you believe the Lord, or do we believe just only what we can understand in our minds? Which means that just because I think this is what's happening, and this is my understanding, and this is what I've decided God is doing, and that's, this is my God, and he does this, and he loves like that, he doesn't do this, he does that, and we create all these perceptions around God that are based on what I've learned, you can't help it, based on your environment, you can't help it. Think about this, I was just thinking about this the other day how the world desensitizes you. It wasn't too long ago that when a man and a woman lived together, that was considered, you know, those are like the, reb the rebels over there, right? And then little by little, that became acceptable. I mean, like as I was like a, I was like a little kid, and I remember it being talked about that it was starting to be like, let's move in together. That's kind of when it was starting, that that was maybe normal and acceptable. I know people did that before then. But where it's like, okay, it's normal. But there was still like, we didn't have rainbow flags out everywhere yet. That was still weird. Even though we were aware of it and we knew that, that there, it's been since Sodom and Gomorrah. This is not a new thing, right? And then we get to that. Now that's normal. And I said it. It's on my, one of the podcasts somewhere. I said, you mark my words. One day they're going to, um, pedophilia is going to be normal. And Rick was just telling me yesterday that they're already putting more modern, nicer names so it doesn't sound so dark. You can't help who you love. And if you love someone young, you can't help that. That's just who you are. And so we say, well, that's crazy today. But then if you look back, right, the world doesn't think it's crazy for a whole bunch of other things that were once crazy, even without God, they weren't accepted. And little by little, they get desensitized and get accepted. And what happens is, even as believers and as Christians, it rubs off on you. We kind of come to terms with everybody lives together, everybody sleeps around, this is just the world we live in, and it kind of becomes normal. So then we say things like, well, they still love God. I know they still love the Lord. We make excuses for their sin because we can't help it. It sounds like grace, but it's really not. It's really we've been desensitized. There once was a day we'd say, well, they think they love the Lord, but they're deceived. 
and I know that they that the Lord wants them in heaven just as much as he wants us in heaven, but the lifestyle that they're living now does not prove that they love him because my word says, if you love me, you will obey me. You see what happens? And so the point is that we can get to a place where we are so far out here in our perceptions, we don't even realize. You don't think you are off, but you have made decisions about God and about life and about this world that have been formed not from God. And the thing is, we need to come back to real reality, real reality, which is only in him. That's why we have the word. The word is a compass. Imagine telling somebody the there's a country over there. They're leaving England, right? Leaving Finland, I think it was, right, as well. I think they went to Finland first, the pilgrims, if I remember my history, something like that. Somewhere over in Europe. And they're like, oh, it's over there somewhere. No, of course they had a guide. They used the stars, and they had, you know, a map. Well, it's a little primitive for us, but they had an idea of where to get to. Now, they missed it a little bit. They're aiming for Virginia. They end up in Provincetown, right? Well, they got to the they got to the landmass. I guess eventually, keep going that direction. You're going to hit something. Imagine living a life with no direction at all, and this is why the word is so important. Because without it, it's the only thing stable. It's the only anchor. It's the only thing that really tells us what is north, and what is south, and what is east, and what is west. Without that. You can't, you might think I've got a good idea of God's reality, but then what happens? I've already said this many times before. There are 35,000, I said that right, 35,000 demonations, I mean denominations in Christianity. I'm not talking other religions, I'm talking in Christianity, there are 35,000 denominations. Why? Because you ready? This is how it goes. Well, I know what the scriptures say, but this is what we think. Who's heard that before? This is what we think. I know what it says, but this is what we think. Well, I got a better idea. How about we just throw the whole thing out altogether? If you're going to use your thinking anyway, why use the Bible at all? Why even look at it if we're going to make up our own rules that don't seem to work with our times and cultures and et cetera, right? So I'm using some extremes to tell us this. Maybe in our lives that are seeking God and are worshiping and are focused on him, maybe, just maybe, if people can get that far off, we're off a little bit here and there, even in our mature lives. And here's the point. It doesn't mean that's not to burden you, and that's not to be like, man, that's it, I'm, I, I've got no hope. It means this, I've got to set my eyes on him. Because without setting them fixed on him and focused on him, I might think I'm heading towards him, but I'm heading into directions that have been designed by Satan to deceive me. And he is very clever. That's the only way he was able to get Adam and Eve, who literally walked with God in the flesh, walked with him, and Satan was able to deceive them. He was clever enough to give them an alternate reality. You will not die. So he offered them a false 
reality and their perception, the Bible says they perceived, it says that Eve perceived that the fruit was good. So she used her intellect, she used her understanding, and she made a decision based on those impulses rather than the word of God, do not eat the fruit. And because of that, we have been perpetually stuck in a cursed, sin-filled world ever since. So there are consequences that we can't even understand by doing things based on uh, our will, especially we don't even realize that you don't think you are, but on Satan's will versus God's will. And with that, I want you to just to look at some scriptures here. I want you to get some promises. I read this, and I thought this was really neat. This is what Chuck Swindoll said this about uh, the book of Philippians. He said, Though we all have much to be thankful for, the pace and pressure of life often squeeze the joy from us. I thought this was so good. I just stumbled upon this by accident. Our shoulders slumped and our heads bowed. We find some days or months very difficult to get through. Desperate, we often search for joy in all kinds of ways, acquiring possessions, visiting places, or seeing people. But none of these can provide lasting joy. Where do you find joy in the midst of a trying circumstance? He says, Paul knew, as the Philippians did, that true joy comes only through humble faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. I thought that was a really awesome summation. He was summing up the entire book of Philippians, and I just want to just, just quickly read a few things. I feel like the Lord was giving us for today some promises, because the gospel is that simple. It only gets complicated, and I've said this many times, and I have to, just, I have to teach myself this. I come before the Lord and say, forgive me. It's so simple. The gospel is a children's book. The only reason it gets complicated, you ready? is because we don't want to do what it says. It's, I know that that is like, wow, I can't, you're, there's, no, it's, life's complicated though, man. That's what people say. I've heard a lot of Christians say, life's complicated. It's not complicated. You wanted to do drugs. No one forced you to do that. You're like, yeah, but I had a really rough upbringing. You don't understand. I don't even want to touch that. I'm just going to say it. I think I'm going to leave it there because that's, you know, because then it's like your mind, right? You're going to go into understanding. Well, what about the worst of the worst of the worst? I mean, I can sum, right? We start doing that. The thing is, too, when we stand before the great white throne of judgment, you can't bring any people with you. You can't bring a lawyer and you can't bring other people and point your finger. That's the craziest thing. You can't be like, well, Lord, this person beat me. It drove me to this. Because as much as we don't like it, and this is really just for these next few minutes what I want to stress, as much as I, my mind can't get that, and that's why you can't get the word by your mind, my mind can't understand that the word says, even though they beat you, love them and forgive them. And if you do that, then the bitterness and the hurt that drove you to the drugs or whatever you do doesn't have a root. Now that sounds like that's, you're asking way too much from a person. But that's true, except you're asking way too much from a person in their flesh. And the Lord is not asking us to do anything alone. 
In fact, he has given us every single thing. I'm going to read it from, I know I said Philippians, but from Philippians 1 here, this is what it says in Corinthians 1, verse uh, 7. You have every spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 7 says you have every spiritual gift you need. Everybody say, I have everything I need. As I eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, and verse 8, he will, who believes your word, who believes our word, he will keep you strong to the end. If, if he said it, we just have to believe it. That means if I feel weak, that is my perception. That's not reality. If I don't feel like I can do it, you are wrong. You're like, but no, you don't understand. I'm really, really weak right now. I mean, my knees are weak. My hands are weak. You don't understand. You're never going to understand me. My word says he keeps you strong. So you may think you're weak, but you're wrong. No, no, no. But my life's different than yours. He keeps you strong. If anybody can say it, it's Paul. Because Paul had this joy and hope that doesn't make sense. He literally, in the natural, has nothing to live for. Everywhere he goes, they make fun of him. Even the Christians are like, he's not a very good preacher. Right? <laughs> he's underwhelming to hear him speak. Hear about the time that he spoke so long and it was so boring, the guy fell out the window? They beat him everywhere, they reject him everywhere, and yet he holds on to the Lord because the Lord had grabbed a hold of him and he grabbed a hold of the Lord and they became one. And Paul focused on the little miracles along the way instead of all the big upsets. And it says, he will keep you free from blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And it says, verse 9, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. Isn't that amazing? Philippians 1 verse 6, where I wanted to, I went to that first because it made more sense. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this. Come on, this has got to be one of your favorite verses, right? Actually, I found out Philippians has like so many nuggets, so many plaques from Hobby Lobby or right from Philippians. And it says, I am certain. Everybody say, I'm certain. We need to get to this place. This is the place the Lord's bringing us to. You need to come up with a certainty. Now, your mind is your biggest stumbling block because you have experience, right? You know why you have fear? Your fear is not based on nothing. It's based on experience. You need to come to the place where we shut it off. And I know that that is too hard to do in the natural. I am certain. I want you to say it out loud with me because I want your spirit to hear it from your mouth. I am, I mean your flesh to hear from your spirit. I am certain that God, right? There's a certainty that must come. God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally What's that word say? Until it's finally like, well, whatever you did, the best, you just give me, you know, I mean, if 
whatever, 90%, 80%, it's whatever. It's too late. It's done. You're dead. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. My word says that at the moment I close my eyes and enter eternity, the Lord is finished in my life. Even if the world could judge and point their finger. And again, like I said, Paul, they literally said he was an underwhelming preacher. He wrote most of the New Testament, and we preach more about from Paul than any other apostle, and they said he was underwhelming. <laughs> it doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God says and what his word says. This is so simple that it can easily just go right over our heads because we're like, yeah, I get it, but it's hard to apply it. And I'm just praying today. Your mind's going to hear some of it, but I just pray our spirit man really hears this, that our spirit man is charged and encouraged today. I just told uh, someone recently, we were chatting, and, and uh, I said, you know, we really, we need to become even more selfless, right? You think that you're selfless, and then you realize that you've been thinking about self <laughs> again, and we need to come to the place where we're even more selfless. The more selfless we are, the more self is gone, the more certain. Because what happens is the only reason there's a lack of certainty is we start micromanaging self. We don't feel like God has done what he said he would do in the time, in the way or the fashion that we thought he would. That's why we doubt. In fact, just to reveal a little bit of my heart, I said to the Lord, just in privacy, Lord, I feel like I've had too many prayers go unanswered, and it's creating doubt in me. Now, I'm not, I have to equally acknowledge all the amazing, incredible things he has done in my life. And, and in fact, I believe on a movie screen, you're going to see trillions upon trillions of seconds. You know, I mean, that's obviously that bypasses reality. I'm not talking about real here. He's going to show you how many times the devil tried to kill you and the Lord protected you and how many times you were about to do something stupid. You don't even know you're going to do something stupid yet. And the Lord turns you the other way. So I can't say what I was pleading before the Lord without also saying that. But in this moment, I said, Lord, I feel like I've had I've seen too many unanswered prayers. It's weighing on me. And, and, and it's only, this is just a moment where I come to the Lord, you say it to him, you give it to him, and then you ask for the strength. I'm not saying then you just sulk all day and like, you just haven't answered my prayers recently. You come to that place and then I say, Lord, but I know your word. I must be wrong. Because it's either the timing or you did it and I didn't realize or you're going to do it. I mean, one way or the other, I have to make the choice that I'm certain in you so which means if I've been praying for this person to break free or get saved or whatever it is, right, you're some sort of miracle and it's not happening, then obviously I just don't understand yet. And this is what I feel like from the Lord, what he spoke. Understanding is a principle that we talk about a lot in the Bible. Who's aware of that, right? But when we say the word understanding in the Bible, it's not a human, natural mind understanding. It is spiritual. Which means this. It means that your understanding 
is irrelevant. It means understanding the word supersedes understanding the situation. Spiritual understanding bypasses natural understanding. So you can actually think, I don't understand, but you actually have understanding. Because when you choose to trust his word and believe his word, even though you don't understand, you have actually entered into a greater understanding. Who wants to live this life earthly? Ugh. That comes with a curse. He said, Adam and Eve, they entered the earth with a curse. But Jesus reversed that curse, right? We know that. That's a principle that we have walking with the Lord in the kingdom of God. I don't need to understand everything going on in order to understand the word. You realize that? You don't need to understand to understand the word. The Bible talks about having wisdom and knowledge and understanding. These are spiritual principles, not natural principles. So understanding in the natural cannot dictate my belief or my decisions. The only thing I need to understand is that God is faithful. The only thing I need to understand is that his word says that he will do it. The only thing I need to understand is what his word says for me to do in the situation. Everything else that I do or don't understand right now is irrelevant. The only relevant thing is spiritual understanding. I'll get more into Philippians another time, but I want to say this, because there was these nuggets here. Philippians 1 tied together with Philippians 3, Paul starts going on about how he has no confidence in himself, right? Who loves this? He says, I've discarded it all. I just count it all as it's all garbage. There's nothing else except knowing him. And he said, I depend on him. And if I wanted to brag about myself, you know, I could, but I'm not because I realize there's nothing. And he says, forgetting the past. This is uh, Philippians 3, verse 13, forgetting the past. I focus on this one thing. I haven't achieved it. Actually, let me back up. Let me just say the whole thing. I'm trying to go fast here, and then we're going to miss something here. Verse 12, here's the proof of what I've been saying. Just because your perception hasn't met up with re real reality yet doesn't mean that your perception is reality. Your perception is false. He said, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. In other words, when Christ put you on the cross with, with himself, and then rose from the dead with you, and then sat down next to the Father with you, you were perfect, and it was finished in that moment. But your reality, based on false perception, says, but I'm suffering right now, and I'm praying, and he's not answering right now, and, I, and, and the world is going crazy right now. And Paul says... 
I'm not saying that I've achieved it in the natural yet, but I know that Christ has already perfected it. It's already done. It's already finished in him. So I'm going to press on to get to that place. He says, verse 13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Wow, this is something maybe someone on the podcast needs to hear. You need to take your past. You know what? Maybe I should do it. Maybe we should take some of the men and roll it around. There's a dumpster outside. Because what you need to do is even what you came in here with, you need to take your brain, you need to take your experiences, you need to take your past, and you need to throw it in the garbage. Because he said, this is the key. This is how I got it. This is how I, I mean, I got to this place in God that I'm praying that you get to. He says, because I learned to forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. And this is why it's all connected. You can see Philippians is connected as one thought because we're talking about the race. Over there in Hebrews as well, you see it's the same writer. So he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And then just quickly, I want you to get this. Uh, He says in Philippians 4, I won't say it like this, like summing it up, but as the letter's progressing, he gets to Philippians 4, which means he's already laid a foundation, right? We get that. And he says this. It actually, out of, I found this out of the Message Bible. It says, verse 6, Philippians 4. You won't be able to see it on the screen. I'll put the NLT up in a minute. It says, don't fret or worry. I want you to say this out loud. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. I want you to say this out loud. Instead of worrying, pray. This is what I heard the Lord say to me so clearly today. Just because scriptures don't seem encouraging doesn't mean it's not the right answer. The worst thing we can do when somebody or yourself is going through a situation is have a pity party and feel sorry for yourself or feel sorry for them. Sometimes putting your hand on their shoulder is not, I'm not saying you don't love them, but you just put your hand on your shoulder and say, it's going to be all right. It's not going to fix the situation, but it might make them feel better. Sometimes you need to say to them, we need to pray. Now that could feel, because our perception is false, like an extra burden. I can't pray. I don't have the strength to pray. That's a lie from Satan. And you know what? I began to think about this. Just from our short conversation yesterday, Rick, a lot of nuggets from this. I talked to Rick yesterday, and he said he's sharing the gospel with some of his unsaved friends who think they're saved. But it's clear they're not. That's between them and the Lord, right, ultimately. There's no sign that they're saved, but they say, we believe. So because they believe, and this is why you need to be careful. The Bible says the demons believe and they tremble. So they're telling him their problems. And Rick says, you need Jesus. And what happens? The glaze. Who's ever seen the glaze? As soon as you, you know, they cry out to you, and then you say, you know what? You just need Jesus. Glaze. 
blindness of the eyes. And, I, and all of a sudden, this morning, as I was just, I went outside to seek the Lord. I was, okay, Lord, this is the sermon. And Lord, okay, you bring it together. Is there anything else you want to say? And I feel like the Lord said this to me so clearly. Christians can do the same thing. And I was like, wow, it's so true, the glaze. Just because we know the Lord and have walked with the Lord, when the truth is spoken, sometimes, see, they said, we believe. The reason the glaze is, they said to him, we don't need your Jesus, we already believe. Because they think that he's offering them something extracurricular. And sometimes the Lord is speaking and the glaze just comes because... It's really just the blindness of Satan, of this world. And that's why I've been really hammering that today. You don't realize, but there is a slime that comes on us from living in this world. It's just, it's teaching us without you deciding to what is right and wrong, right? What is left and apparently all, apparently we were all wrong all along and nobody knows anything. Demi Lovato, anybody know that name? She decided to become a woman again. This is the news this week, big news. She wanted to be called, you know, they and them or whatever. I don't even understand that, but anyway. And then she's like, well, I feel very feminine now, so I want to be called her and she again. So apparently it's just, you know, we're all wrong and we're bigots, but if you want to, you can switch, the, switch back and you can become a woman again. That's the reality that we're in, and, and you may not believe it, but it's slimed on you all the time, and it's... It's disintegrating your shell little by little, and that's why we need to get into the Lord into an even deeper place. And this is what it is. This is, this is I'm closing here, sorry. The answer is so simple. Philippians 4, verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now we go, that's too simple. Jesus, glaze. You just need Jesus, glaze. Listen, you just need to have, you just need to get into the Lord. You need to get the joy of the Lord. You need to rejoice and be thankful. You need to not worry and you need to pray. Glaze. Glaze. Now I need you to sit me down and, and let's get through all the details and let's get through the nitty gritty and figure it out because life is complicated. That's just the devil. Wow, there's a lot of preachers that wouldn't like that, that I said that. Because they like counseling. Tell God what you need. Tell God what I need. Imagine and thank him for all he has done. Verse 7. Because I believe the word so much. Who believes the word? It says, then you will experience God's peace. Is the Bible complicated? Be full of joy, rejoice, don't worry, pray, tell God what I need, thank him. That's it? That's all I have to do. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's beyond our understanding. This is not natural, which means, ready for this? When Jesus and Peter are walking together on the water, the wind and the waves are still there. But his understanding had changed. His understanding of the natural didn't go away.
but the understanding of who Christ is superseded the natural. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Wow. I'm not going to say any more. We just leave that there in our spirits. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. I pray you implant it in us and let it grow in us, Lord God. Give us life, Lord, I pray from your word. In Jesus' name, amen.